right, grab your Bibles, go to uh, Genesis chapter 28. We're in the middle of a Genesis series. If you are new or brand new or just checking us out and just kind of curious where we've come and where we've gone, all of the teachings are online, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we are now in chapter 28. So we're kind of screaming through a little survey of this amazing book, the foundation of pretty much the rest of this story. And so we would encourage you to uh, catch up with that if you so desire. Um, Some of that will help to make sense of where we've come and why we think the way we do about this particular book. Uh, The title of this message this evening is Surely God is in this place. And I, I did not know. Uh, Chapter 28, let's start our reading in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his dream, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz or Lutz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be be God's house and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. We'll end our reading there. One of the most famous stories from the book of Genesis, sometimes called Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's Stairwell. How many of you have heard of the most recent famous 24-hour music video by Pharrell Williams? Has anybody seen this? Okay, some of you have not seen this. So I want to share with you a little bit of a preview of this video. It's it's been touted as one of the very first videos that's gone 24 hours. And you can go online and watch 24 hours of Happy. And it is literally 24 hours. There's a nice little dial there. And you can watch this song play over and over and over and over again, 24 hours a day, with all sorts of different views of different people experiencing the beauty of this song. And it's a lot of fun, actually. There's a lot of different characters, people of different races, different backgrounds, people from all sorts of economic differences, people from different uh, dance uh, characteristics and abilities. He's even in a church with a choir. He's even got some famous people in there and some really good moves, some really bad moves. 
some really talented, amazing characters. Now, the reason why I show this is because, number one, let me just say, I actually have not watched all 24 hours, just to be clear. That would take a little bit of a time right there. But what I loved so much about this video is that here is a famous pop star who's taken this song and has gone to regular places, the street, school buses, yards, the regular places where you go, where you work, where you live, where you operate, where you do your daily routine. And through this video project has transformed each and every one of those places into a completely different kind of a thing. And so, like a school, you know, with the lockers. <clears throat> oh, of course, the minions there. And this video now has multiple depictions of different places. That if you were to just walk down those places originally, it would be a very mundane, regular, ordinary place. But now as a result of the video project, as a result of the song, something has happened to that place. And I love how this is such a low, I, I don't know exactly how low budget it was. It was 24 hours. But it didn't, this vi music video didn't include all the glitz and the glamour of what normal music videos have. Everyday places, everyday locations, everyday people transformed into not-so-everyday events. And there were some uh, favorite clips of mine, these little kids in a bowling alley watching the video and then dancing to the camera. Uh, this was one of my favorite uh, shots, a janitor in a school after hours. Normal, regular, mundane, perhaps even boring routine kind of work. But yet, watch him with his mop all of a sudden as a result of the music be transformed. This lady was absolutely beautiful in her wheelchair with her umbrella, you know, dancing down the street kind of a deal. And then this little kid, of course, I took screenshots of all the kids because they're the cutest. Uh, this kid in a mall uh, hanging out and, of course, this little girl um, with her balloons and dancing. And what I'd like to suggest to you is there's something within every single one of us that is exemplified in this video that desires deeply to see something bigger, something deeper, something more profound, something past just the mundane, the regular, the everyday. And what happens here with this Jacob story, I think, illustrates just that. Let's get some background, and let's give some context for what's going on here in the biblical story. First of all, he's traveling from a very, very long place. He starts down here, Beersheba, and then he's going to travel almost 600 miles up to this location. And it is in this journey and travel that Jacob is being commissioned to go. He's actually fleeing and trying to get there so they can, uh, of course, find a, a wife to marry. And he's got a goal. He set out. He's headed for this location. Now, he happens upon what is known in the Bible as a place. And the word in Hebrew is makom. He happens to a place. But the thing of how this biblical story is constructed is that this is not a special place. This is really any place. It's just a regular location. As far as we know, it's insignificant. It's mundane. It doesn't even give us any really strong context for what this place is. It just simply says, along the way. So somewhere between here and where he wanted to go, where he wanted to end up, he stops, lays his head down. Let me give you a couple pictures of what it might have looked like. These are some shots from Israel from that location all the way there. This is just a field out in the middle of the, the plateau there. 
This is a shot uh, near the northern Galilee, which is headed off towards Damascus, would have, which would have been that road that he would have had to travel. Again, an ordinary kind of looking place. This is also in the northern Galilee, and it's just a normal, beautiful countryside, but not necessarily anything particularly special. And then, of course, something like this. This is just, just a place. Another, it's, it's the way that you traverse on the way to get there. He takes a stone, and if you've been around Danielle and I for a while, you, many of you probably have heard the wonderful anecdotal story that uh, God had given the angels particular jobs at the creation of the world, and he gave one angel the job to take all the stones and to distribute them out over all of the earth, but this particular angel tripped and fell in Israel and dumped all the stones there. So we have stones everywhere. The entire place has stones all over the place. So when it says he picks up a stone to lay under his head, they're everywhere. It's not, again, anything particularly special. And when I looked up stone pillow, I thought, ooh, I want one of these. I don't think this is what Jacob had in mind. But nonetheless, he places his stone as a pillow. So it's not a very big stone, just enough for your head. And while he lays down to sleep, he has a dream. Now, not this particular dream. Dreams in the Bible meant something more than just the fact that you were thinking about that movie that you watched last night that is now haunting you throughout the whole night. A dream is a way of God communicating. So it was a way of divine communication to the person. So when we talk about a dream, we're talking about God communicating something either profound, either deep, something important that you need to hear. So there's something significant going on in this maybe not so significant place. What's the dream? He sees angels ascending and descending upon a ladder, upon a staircase. What is this all about? Medieval art, art throughout history, religious art has depicted all sorts of different ways of what this could mean. And it's very imaginative and a lot of fun. This, to me, looked like some sort of divine, fiery slip and slide. That's how I would describe it. And everybody's having fun. The angels are slipping down from heaven kind of a deal. And notice they're having conversation. They're all paired up in twos as if angels, uh, apparently feminine in character, need to have conversations even while they're ascending and descending to heaven. So that's one depiction. Here's another one that has also, again, it's kind of feminine in nature, going up the staircase. It's a spiral staircase. And what was fascinating about this is that there there were young angels. There were little baby angels hanging out and playing up on that staircase. This one was fascinating because Jacob's ladder, the, the, the movement, as the angels move up, if you notice, the wings get smaller and smaller, as if to say that once they reach heaven, that they don't need those wings Anymore, So that was kind of fascinating and interesting. Of course, next to the palm trees, very beautiful, you know, picturesque. And then, of course, the very powerful wings, a whole bunch of them. And it looks like they're having a little, you know, dance if you're happy kind of moment with people on the side and somebody coming down. And this one I kind of liked the most, just simply because it was so abstract and nondescript. How do you describe what this thing is? Angels ascending and descending. And then, of course, if you're going to go to medieval art, you have to go to digital art from the 1990s. So anyway, there's one particular depiction of what that might have been. Now, archaeologists and other scholars of the Bible have debated what would this ladder 
have been? What would this staircase have been? And the best case scenario is what is known as a ziggurat, which is a structure that is like a tower, but it has these staircases off to the side. And so we don't know. There's no way for us to really say for certain. But this might be a good image of if this is what was common in Jacob's day, this might be something that he actually would have seen or would have pictured in his mind as he had a dream. So he's there in this nondescript place, a rock pillow under his head, not a really significant location. And he has this really profound, amazing dream that they are ascending and descending on this ladder. So what's going on here? One of the interpretations that I think is really powerful and the one that I like quite a bit is that these angels are not just angels in the angelic sense of a spiritual being, but they're messengers. In fact, the word for angel in the Hebrew means somebody who is sending a message along. And so what Jacob is receiving or seeing here is not just some sort of ecstatic, esoteric, heightened spiritual experience. But he might be experiencing how communication is happening between what would be the heavenly world and this world. And he's entering in, he's seeing, he's participating in that communication. And then some ancient rabbinical commentary talks about why do the angels ascend and then descend? Why that particular order? Maybe it's because the angels, who we think of as spiritual beings actually start here. And that's a way of depicting and communicating and saying, if they are ascending and then descending, the angels are actually here. The messengers are actually amongst us. And if they start here and they go to heaven and then they also descend, then they also return to here. Jacob's starting to get a glimpse of something about this world, about this mundane, everyday kind of a place that is... All of a sudden, through these visions, through this dream, not really a mundane, everyday kind of a place. If the angels are ascending and descending, that must mean they're actually here among us. And through his dream, his eyes are open to seeing this. Something is very different about this place. Something is very different about this location. Something is very different about this world that you don't necessarily normally always see. Now, this next line has God standing next to or beside. And then I love the beautiful ambiguity of the Hebrew because it's by him or by it. And commentators wrestle and they argue, was God standing by the ladder Or was God standing by Jacob? And you really can't tell from the Hebrew. It could be both. It could be either. Or it could be one or the other. But that's going to come into play very importantly later on when Jacob stands up the stone. Because the standing is very important. When God stands next to either him or it, he declares then this blessing. Which is a continuation of the blessing. Again, if you've missed some of the earlier Genesis series, we encourage you to check out those talks. Because the blessing that comes to Jacob is the blessing that is continued on from Abraham and from Isaac. Many descendants, families on the earth will be blessed. I will protect you. I will go with you. I will not leave you. So the very same blessings that God has instituted from the beginning is continuing on with Jacob. Jacob, this conniving kind of person at the very beginning of the story is now receiving the fullness of his calling, the fullness of what he is designed and created to do, to carry on 
this calling. And then he makes this declaration, which is just absolutely beautiful. Surely God is in this place. And what's fascinating about that is this phrase, and I, I did not know. Now there's two eyes there. He first makes the declaration, and I, me, I was unaware. I did not know. I did not have any idea or comprehension that this was here. This double affirmation of the I is almost saying, I, I, I was so clueless. I didn't see it. God is in this place. And I, I didn't know. And if you know your Bibles, and if you studied a little bit about that word know, this isn't just intellectual knowledge. It's about passionate, relational, covenantal. I am engaged with experiencing this knowledge. So God was in this place, but I didn't know. I was not paying attention. I was not aware. Jacob in his dream awakened to the reality of the divine presence. Even here, even in this location, even in this place, the divine presence is here. And then he takes his pillow and he stands it up and it becomes a standing stone. A matzevah is how you would say that in the Hebrew. He stands it up and he creates a pillar. Now, this is important because all throughout history, even to this day, standing is is something deeply important, deeply meaningful to each and every one of us. For example, if you were to hear this. Something within, <laughs> something within you is like, I, I shouldn't be sitting during this. And then, please uh, bear with me. This is one of my favorite videos. If you've already seen this, please forgive me. Watch carefully this kid right here. Because he also exemplifies something about this standing that's really, really important. I love that video. Here, I mean, this poor kid. This is junior high, by the way. So, like, junior high band, you take those symbols, crashes, falls on the ground. It's like, I don't know what to do. What do you do with national anthem? Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> like, what else do you do? Uh, I, think, I think we saw a late night uh, comedian talk about, you know, that's your answer to any time you're in trouble, by the way. What were you doing out late at night? <laughs> kind, of, kind of a deal. That's just your answer and your response to it. But I love that depiction because I think it depicts, once again, even in our modern day, that standing means something. And so stones that are stood up is imbued with importance, It's imbued with meaning, is imbued with symbolism. You guys know about Stonehenge, which a lot of people have a lot of debates as to what it necessarily was and what it meant. Here's another standing stone location in Ireland. 
And in Israel, if you go with us, which we would highly encourage you to come uh, with us, you'll, you'll see literal standing stones still there today from thousands and thousands of years old. And people are trying to figure out what is this all about? Why are they standing? It must have meant something. It has significance. It has meaning. Uh, these are called dolmens. These are also in the northern Galilee, and they're spread out all over the world. These standing stones, some people think that they were graves. Some people think they might have been spiritual experiences. We're not quite sure. But it means something. There's some significance. Several years ago when Danielle and I were on an Israel tour, we had an unfortunate incident of a lady who took a wrong step. And when you're on a hill with all of those rocks and you take a wrong step, um, she twisted her ankle and she was just, unfortunately, she, she broke her ankle, was in a lot of pain. And our leader at that particular time was very distraught. And of course, you're, you're trying to care for your people. And as we were uh, carrying her on a stretcher out, we were learning this lesson about standing stones. And what was significant about this is that all of us, the community, the entire tour, started to chip in. We were clearing stones. People were carrying her on the stretcher, administering water, getting the ambulance, and all those kinds of things. And one of the things that I kind of instinctively did during that time was like, okay, this is a moment for a standing stone. This is a moment where we had a, a painful injury. But in this moment, something meaningful and something important happened. And so we all came together as a community and we found out something about ourselves as a result of this incident. And so we put some standing stones, and everybody put some stones together. So, when Jacob places a stone, he is signifying there is something important about this place, and there's something meaningful about this experience that I've had. And I think it's also significant that God was also standing. This place that he's in, is no longer just a place. It's something very, very special. And he wants to symbolize that. He wants to signify that by standing up the stone. Surely God is in this place. And I, I did not know it. Literally, there is God here. How awesome is this place? A little bit of a side note, if you want to follow this train of thought, Number one, you should talk to our good friend Cindy, who's doing her dissertation on Deuteronomy in place. Number two, there's some other places in the New Testament where place becomes a significant kind of verbiage. They were all gathered together in one place. Because this word place then takes on a different kind of meaning. Before Jacob happens upon this place, it's fairly insignificant. There are stones everywhere. Put a stone, lay it down on your head. It doesn't look necessarily any more important than any other location. But instead of being regular, insignificant, or mundane, now, as a result of Jacob's dream, as a result of him seeing the angels ascending and descending, as a result of having this experience of hearing communication from God, as a result of having his eyes opened, this is not just any place. This place is special. This place that I'm in right now is meaningful. This place that I'm standing in, this place that I am working in, this place that I'm traversing to is holy. It's sacred. This is not just any other place. And remember, Jacob's on his way to a destination. He had no clue, no understanding that this was going to be something significant on the way. So three things I'd like to point out from this story that I think are important for us to understand. Number one, we learn from this story that as Jacob experienced God in a special place that he did not know was special, and through the ironic 
activity of a sleeping dream, Jacob is somehow awakened. He is awakened and becomes aware of the divine presence. And I think that's something that we can take away. How often do we become awakened and aware of the divine presence? Number two, just as Jacob stood up the stone and anointed it, he makes a space become a place. Hey, remember that place we were at? Remember that special place? Oh, this was the place we were at when something happened. So part of what Jacob does is he makes spaces, any old space, something sacred. This is a place where something special happened. And as I mentioned before, this is a complete surprise. It's on his way to something. He's trying to get to Haran. This is not a scheduled itinerary stop location. So, awakening. Let's make spaces sacred places. And let us be open to being completely surprised to where God shows up and where God is. I hear people say all the time, I experience God. So, out in places like this. Some of you, just by seeing these images, are like, oh, yes. I'm drawn out into the divine presence. Surely God is in this place. But is God in this place? See, see, we have images and concepts and ideas in our mind where God is. But is he also here? Is he also in these places? Surely God is in this place. I hear people say all the time, what an experience. And I feel of divine sense of presence. God is here. And we know that. But surprise, is God also in this place as well? See, we have these images of where God is, but we learn through the story that God shows up in very surprising places. Surely God is in this place. And we hear all the time of wonderful, beautiful expressions of worship concerts and people coming together and celebrating big lights, big sound. But is God also in this place? The everyday routine, draining your bank account for your caffeine habit place. Is God also there? Surely God is in this place. The majestic buildings, the great cathedrals. But is God in this place? Absolutely, because this is a Chinese restaurant. You, you know God is in this place. <laughs> God is in this place. When you're meeting with your small group, having Bible study, experiencing something wonderful. But is God also in this place? The everyday, got to get up and do it. You're hanging there. Another email, another meeting, another memo. Is God in this place as well? Oh, man, how God is so there. When you're experiencing the beauty and the majesty of God's beautiful creation with shorts on and a t-shirt and barefoot in the sand and you're feeling the beautiful oceanic breeze upon your face. Is God in this place? Yeah, but is God also in this place? The airline and the airplane getting to that place. See, this Jacob story awakens us to the fact that God is actually in those mundane, everyday places. We have these ideas that God is over here in these special places. But the Jacob story reminds us God is also in this special place as well. Surely God is in this place. But is God in this place? 
<laughs> just just kind of kidding. <clears throat> Surely God is in this place. But is God also in this place? Surely God is in this place. In fact, we fight so hard to remind people that God is in this place. But is God also in this place? See, I have a feeling that this story reminds us that God is in more places than we want to recognize. That we ourselves are also blind to the places that God is. Because there is no way God is in this place. (laughs) But yet, on your way, maybe you fall asleep in line and you have a vision or an experience or an encounter and you start to realize, wait a second, God is in this place too. And I, I didn't know it. I thought I was going to the DMV. (laughs) But what you were really doing on your way is awakening once again to God being in this place. For those of you who work with kids, is God in this place, all those places? Is he in the prefrontal cortex and he's also in the amygdala? (laughs) Is he in the intellect, but he's also in your emotions? Is God in those places? See, see, we have this conversation all the time. The God is only when you experience this. But couldn't God also be when you're having wonderful debates and arguments and discussions? Where is God? Surely God is in this place as well. And then when you go home and you have to do this, remind yourself that surely God is in this place too. This story reminds us when Jacob has this dream and he sees angels ascending and descending, that this place, too, is also holy. And I think this could transform the landscape. Just like the Pharaoh Williams song, Because I'm Happy, regular mundane places, being transformed by a song and a dance, and all of a sudden making that place something different, what would it be like if we, those of us who believe deeply in this God who created this universe and created this world and is present in all these places, what would it be like if we all of a sudden recognized and realized, oh yeah, God is in all of these places as well? Would that transform our experiences, our attitudes, our interactions, our behavior? It could totally transform that. This reminds me of a couple of verses. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And then this passage from Psalm 139, many of you know, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can you go? Can't go to the DMV as much as you'd like to, to flee. And then this passage with Nathaniel in John chapter 1, Jesus has this interaction with him and says, I, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel says, you're a pretty amazing dude. And Jesus says to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You haven't seen anything yet. Just because I gave this wonderful prophecy to you doesn't mean that that's all that you're going to see. That is not the only place that God is. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Every place, every space now become sacred and holy. So our encouragement, my encouragement to us is these three things again. Let us become deeply aware of the divine presence in every mundane, everyday, routine, thing after thing after thing. Let us become aware of that. 
Let us also do things, set up things, anoint things that make spaces sacred places. So that when we get in our car, maybe that's why we put bumper stickers on our car. We recognize even this place is a sacred place. And let us be awakened and aware that you might be on your way to experience God. You might be on your way to a worship conference. You might be on your way to a special location where you feel like, if I can only get there, there can I experience God's presence. Now, I'm all for that. But let us also be surprised that God does not just reside there, stop along the way and recognize along the road, God is also there. This is part of the reason why priests actually wear collars. It's to remind them that every place they go, every space they walk into, every location is a place that becomes or you become aware of the holy. And then the last story I'd like to tell is my friend Billy. This is me back in 1994, if you can believe it or not. He and I are very good friends. Uh, One of my best friends, he's a drummer and uh, I'm a musician. And so we got to play some songs together. And he grew up playing uh, Metallica, Pantera, Megadeth, um, these, these kind of, and I, I grew up listening to John Tesh and Yanni. So put the two of us together and make a band and it's all sorts of wild and crazy. Um, but he grew up playing these drums and he became a Christian a little bit later than I did. And he was in a church once. And this lady said to him, um, you're such a nice boy. Why did you have to choose the devil's instrument kind of a deal? So he's, he's had to suffer this, uh, his entire life kind of a thing. Through a series of events, he ended up at, at San Jose Christian College, got a, got a degree in theology and music, and now owns his own music and media consulting company. He's a, a drummer and plays for worship teams all over the place, uh, a really phenomenal musician, a, a really good man, father, a husband. Um, at his graduation at San Jose, he had to do a recital as part of his graduation. And at the very beginning of his recital, he put his drums up. And he took some oil, some oil that you can buy, that some anointing oil. And he went around to each and every drum, and he anointed them. And he said, even this drum, even this cymbal, even this hi-hat, even this kick, even this, this is sacred space too. So at the very beginning of his opening recital, his graduation several years ago, he shared about his journey, the everyday, the mundane And then getting to know Jesus, getting to know Christ, getting to know, you know, everything that I do, everything in my life is holy and sacred. And this drum kit that I thought was going to be my idol or whatever it was, even the everyday thing, he wanted to make that thing sacred. And he anointed every single piece of his kit. And it was a beautiful expression of surely God is even in that place. Even though prior to that, he did not know it. So I encourage all of us to embrace the truth of the story of Jacob. Surely God is in this place, even though I may not even know it. And let us be awakened to it. Um, Danielle's going to come up and she's going to pass out some cards for us. And I'd like to share a closing song with you if you would be so kind. There's a gentleman by the name of Stephen Iverson, and uh, he wrote this song, entitled surely god is in this place and uh it's a he wrote it as a simple hymn as a simple theme so there's no chorus there's no verse it's just a meditative phrase so i'll teach it to you and we'll sing it together and i would just encourage you as we sing this together in closing 
that it becomes a devotional point for you, as you think. And what I would encourage you is to think about what do you have to go to next? What's the thing that you're going to walk out these doors and walk into? It might be your vehicle. It might be having to go home and do the dishes. might have to be going home and doing the laundry, um, changing diapers. I don't know. What is that thing that's coming next? And then what's the thing that's waiting for you tomorrow morning? The everyday get up, another routine. What's that thing that's waiting for you? And I would encourage you to have this in mind as we sing. Surely God is even in that place. And I didn't know it. And let us become even more and more aware of God's divine presence. It goes like this. Surely God is in this place. Holy ground. 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 Sing with me. In this place, holy ground, surely God is in this place, holy ground. God is in this place, holy ground. Surely God is in this place, holy ground. Surely God is in this place, holy ground. Surely God is. God, make us more aware of your presence. And as we become more aware of your presence, we recognize that every mundane, everyday, simple thing that we do is actually infused with something tremendously holy and sacred. And we have the opportunity to not only be aware, um, but to be informed and transformed by that truth. And so that even as we drive, uh, as we clean, as we parent, as we work, as we email, uh, God, fill us once again with a whole new sense of, of specialness, of meaning, of holiness, of sacredness, and allow every single moment of our day to once again be reminded that you are here and you are present. We pray in your name.